0: Uh, Please join me in prayer as we hear the word of God preached. Uh, Speak, O Lord, renew our minds, help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Help us, O God, to understand your will for us as your church continues to go forth and as the earth becomes filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there is this online education platform called Masterclass that has really grew in popularity in 2020 as everyone was stuck at home. Now, Masterclass is made up of these online classes uh, with people who are or were really successful in uh, their field of expertise. So, for instance, um There's a master class on singing with uh, Christina Aguilera. Uh, There's one on investigative journalism with Bob Woodward. Uh, There are classes on photography, film editing, cooking, uh, poker, with all of these well-known personalities. Now, someone earlier this year recommended that I watch the class on uh, How to Be Funny, and uh, I was slightly offended by that. Uh, But to explain... Uh, in each of the master class, uh, the host uh, comes out and uh, he shares his experience. Uh, she shares her knowledge, um, their expertise. And as they talk about you know, their field of expertise, um, they, they do this all in an effort to teach the students or the viewers how they too can grow or become better. Uh, in that specific field. Now the past few weeks, we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer. And this, the Lord's Prayer, is Jesus' masterclass on prayer. You see, Jesus, as someone who intimately knew God the Father for all eternity, as someone who was in constant communication with the Father, as someone who saw prayer not as a burden but as a joy, And as someone who actually gave us his name to now pray in, Jesus, our master, is teaching us how to pray. So, uh, in today's master class, uh, I'd like to focus our attention on the second petition found in verse 10. This is what it says, Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Today, I want to cover three things uh, concerning prayer that I think this one verse highlights. And those three things are prayer as participation, prayer as realignment, and prayer as submission. So, first, uh, prayer as participation. Jesus here is teaching us to pray, Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Now, I don't know about you, but this verse, it sounds like I'm praying for the obvious, right? I mean, if you look at the Bible, the entire Bible is actually about God's kingdom and how nothing is or was going to stop this kingdom from coming. See the Bible from start to finish declares over and over again how nothing can thwart God's plan. So in Isaiah 46 we have this, it's a good summary. It says, "I am God, and there is none like me, declaring from the end, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purposes. I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do, do it. See, verses like this, and you know, all throughout the Bible, we're reminded that God's kingdom is going to come, and His will is going to be done. Now, if that's the case, if God's rule and reign are inevitable, Why does Jesus teach us to pray for it? I mean, why should we even pray for something that's obvious, that's inevitable? Well, it's because prayer is one of the ways in which Jesus calls us to participate in the advancement of our Father's kingdom. Let me repeat that. See, prayer is one of the ways in which Jesus calls us to participate in the advancement of our Father's kingdom. You see, for the Christian, prayer isn't just a way to ask for everything that we need. No, it goes actually much more, it goes deeper than that. See, For the Christian, prayer is a way for us to answer the call to kingdom partnership. In other words, how is it that you and I, how is it that the church can actively seek and desire and participate in God's rule and reign coming to earth? Well, one of the ways is through prayer. You know, as uh, someone who is uh, relatively young and active, uh, I tend to strategize and uh, do ministry Uh, More with action rather than prayer. Uh, I like to be on my feet uh, more than my knees. And uh, I tend to rationalize that, you know, prayer is something that the elderly people can do. Right? Prayer is something that people who are much older, who can't engage in kingdom work, I mean, that's what they can do. But for a young, active Uh, mobile worker like myself, whose primary job is gospel work, I can actually do kingdom work with my hands and feet. Well, um, you know, there's a passage in the Bible that reveals how foolish sometimes my thoughts are. And this passage um, in the Bible, it actually speaks to how effective prayer is for kingdom advancement. It's found in Revelation 5. Um, If you go to Revelation 5, we are told that there is this scroll. The scroll with writing on both sides. And this scroll is sealed with seven seals. Now this scroll actually represents the plan of God for all of creation. It represents God's kingdom vision. And unsealing this scroll, opening this scroll, means that this vision is being unfolded. Now, in Revelation 5, uh, the angels are crying out, um, there's no one to open this scroll until finally there's a lamb who appears, a lamb who was slain. And this lamb is representing Jesus. Now, Jesus takes this scroll and he starts to open the seal one by one. Now, the Bible tells us that as Jesus is breaking off each seal, something wild happens. For instance, when the first seal is broken, a white horse comes out and he begins to conquer. The second seal, it's a red horse. The third seal, a black horse. The fourth seal, a pale horse. And they come onto earth and they create chaos and destruction. When Jesus opens the fifth uh, seal, the souls of the martyrs begin to cry out. The sixth seal is broken. And then there are earthquakes the sun becomes black. The moon turns red like blood. The sky starts falling from the, uh, the the stars start falling from the sky. There's immense chaos as each seal is broken. Remember the scroll. This scroll represents the plan of God, God's kingdom vision, and it being realized on earth. So we get to the final seal. Now, when this final seal is broken, that means that God's plan is executed completely. And that is the end of history. God's kingdom is going to come fully. The seventh seal, the Lamb opens it up. And when He does, there's complete silence. Complete silence for a half an hour. I mean, just imagine this, right? As the lamb is breaking off the seals, there are horses bringing chaos. There's crying among the martyrs. There are earthquakes. Stars are falling. Mountains are being ripped from their place. And all of it builds up to the finale, the seventh seal. And when it's open, there's pin drop silence. I mean, think of a a maestro conducting this large orchestra And as they get to the final note, the conductor gives the signal to pause. And this pause is extended 30 minutes. After 30 minutes is up, an angel approaches the altar in heaven and he brings this golden censer. He is given incense and he takes this incense and he mixes it with the prayer's of the saints this is revelation 8 and as he mixes incense with the prayers of the saints this incense is offered up and the smoke actually goes up into the nostrils of god this incense mixed with prayer rises to god and he smells it and then the angel takes this same censer he mixes it with fire He mixes the prayers of the saints with fire and he starts to throw it onto the earth like fireballs. And in Revelation 8, we get that well-known line and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning and an earthquake. Do you understand what all of this means? From Revelation 5 to 8, this last sign When the seal is broken, this last sign in bringing God's kingdom to earth, do you know what it is? It is the prayer of the saints. In other words, the Bible tells us that the grand finale of God's kingdom coming is ushered in through prayer. See, prayer... Is participation in God's kingdom advancement. Now, the first time I uh, watched an orchestra play the full version of Handel's Messiah, I was sitting down and my eyes kept peering over uh, to the man on the kettle drums. I have a picture of it for you. Uh, this is what an orchestra, um, you know, playing um, Handel's Messiah looks like. And if you can look towards the back. On your right side, you can see that there are these drums and, uh, and an individual there now, when I first uh saw Handel 's Messiah in concert, I noticed this one individual and i and I kept thinking, what is he doing there right for someone who you know really you know doesn't appreciate music too much, you know whenever you go to these concerts or ballets, you know your eyes start to notice just peculiar things, and I started to notice this man, and my thoughts started to drift, thinking, he's not doing anything, I mean, he's hardly playing, and, you know, I got distracted more and more, and for fun, I started to count how many times he actually played, you know, and throughout the concert, seeing how little he played, you know, I start to have these terrible thoughts, I start to think, oh my goodness, even I can do that, he's just playing a few beats and flipping pages sitting up sitting down and I started thinking why is he even there he's taking up so much space what a waste of time and money I was thinking man the kettle drums they're not doing anything the strings are just carrying you but then you get to the last piece in part two and part three The last piece in part two is Hallelujah, that well-known song that's sung during Christmas. And the last piece in part three is Worthy is the Lamb and Amen. And when you get to these grand finales in each of these parts, you start to hear the kettle drums. Now, they don't just play once or twice, but they play constantly all throughout. And there are times when they are banging on those drums, And as it mixes in with the chorus, you hear, you can feel the reverence of this piece. As as the orchestra is playing and as the singers are singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, hallelujah, hallelujah. And when you get to the end, you realize that these drums are actually essential to this grand masterpiece coming to a climactic end. You know, all along you thought, man, these drums, they're not doing anything. But when you get to the end, you realize that without these kettle drums, that climactic end doesn't have the same feel. It's the drums, the kettle drums, that are ushering, ushering in this final piece of this grand masterpiece. This is prayer. You know, all along we might think, well, what are we doing just praying for the kingdom to come? But you see, when we get to the end of the story, when we get to the end of history, when we get to Revelation, we see how is it that God's kingdom finally comes in its full majesty and glory? Through prayer. Prayer is participation in God's kingdom. Uh, The second thing that I think this verse teaches us in verse 10 is prayer as realignment. You know, whenever we pray, we do have a tendency to really focus inward. right? Prayer, uh, whenever we go in prayer, we we tend to really zero in on uh, my needs, my wants, my desires. I mean, as a fun activity, just record one day your prayers and listen to it. You'll be amazed at how narrow our prayers can be now jesus knows this he knows this now it's not that these things that we need the things that we ask for it's not that they aren't important but we have to remember what jesus says right before he teaches the lord's prayer this is in verse 8 jesus says listen you have to know that when you pray your father knows what you need before you ask him And so as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's saying, listen, instead of just heaping up these requests for everything that you need, for everything that you want, Jesus says, why don't you pray in this way? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. What is Jesus doing as he's teaching us how to pray? He's using prayer to align our hearts to God's heart. He's using prayer to refocus us once again. So I think this is the progression that Jesus intended. Try to follow along, okay? So uh, this is a hypothetical situation, but it happens to me often, and uh, I, I know this will happen in your case too. So, you know, one day there are things on your mind and on your heart. You become stressed and anxious, and you begin to worry. And so what happens? You finally overcome all the obstacles to pray, you get down on your knees and you begin to spill your heart out before Him. You begin to tell God what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what happened to you. But then as you're praying, all of a sudden you remember, wait, my Father knows what I need, even before I started asking Him. You know, one of the great realizations that the Christian can have is that prayer isn't god's door for entry into your life right prayer isn't the way that god enters into your life right you you know scripture tells us that god is always with us he sees us always he knows us intimately and so what jesus is trying to teach is as you go to him with maybe worries and concerns you remember you're reminded that wait God knows everything. God knows everything that I need. I don't have to retell the story of what happened. So you start to think, what should I pray for? Well, let me pray the Lord's Prayer. Let me pray what Jesus taught me. And then you pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. I can't tell you how many times the Lord's Prayer ministered to my heart Whenever I went to Him with anxiety, with worry, uh, with needs and desires, and I start to lay these things before God, and then I realize, wait, God knows. He knows everything I need. So you know what? Let me just pray the Lord's Prayer. And when you begin to pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done, it begins to minister to you. It starts to realign your heart. When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you start to see your problem through the lens of God's kingdom. You you begin to see your life in the perspective of eternity. You're reminded that, that, you know what, maybe some of the things that I'm really worrying about, I shouldn't be. Some of the things that really upset you. As you pray the Lord's Prayer, you realize, you know what? It doesn't really matter in God's kingdom. Maybe some of the gripes and the grudges you hold against other people as you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you realize, you know what? It's not the will of God for me to be holding on to this. And through prayer, God begins to align our vision to His vision. God begins to tune our hearts to His heart. Through the act of prayer, God, He reminds us of our higher calling as he says later on in matthew 6 not to be anxious about what we eat drink and wear see most of our lives we're consumed by these thoughts worrying about these things what we eat drink and wear but as we pray we're reminded to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness see prayer is that great aligner it reorients us to be kingdom focused, kingdom driven. Uh, there, there is in uh, Chinese uh, this saying. It's a four four character saying, "Bi Zhu Ji Tan." I think I think that's how you say it. uh Bi Ji Ji Tan" or "Bi Jitan. I think that's how you say it. But the the literal meaning of uh, this saying is uh, mourning at the sight of fattened thighs. So being upset or angry or or sighing at the sight of fattened thighs. Now, this is a a well-known saying because um, it actually originates uh, from a story about uh, a king named Yubi, this ancient king named Yubi, who uh, goes to this faraway place. He goes to this faraway place, and he's actually supposed to wait there, gather troops, and prepare for war. But as he's away in this faraway place, he forgets his mission. So he's living his life, enjoying it, forgetting why he's even in that place and why he's even there in the first place. And one day he looks down at his thighs and he sees that his thighs have become fattened. Now, soldiers have these really lean thighs because they're riding on horses constantly. But if a soldier forgets his mission, if 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 a soldier is no longer riding on horses, his thighs... Uh, start to become swollen, fattened. And one day this king Yubi he looks down at his thighs and he sees how fattened his thighs have become. And it was a reminder for him that he had forgotten his mission all along, why he was even there. And so this saying Piyukitan uh, it it means it, it's a reminder for us to to not forget uh, our mission. It's it's often quoted and said uh, as a short way to remind, hey, you're a student. You should be studying or, 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 or in other ways. You see, prayer for us is one of those reminders. It's a way for us as we go to Him in prayer. Yes, we might initially go to Him with needs and wants and desires because we're upset, frustrated, anxious, tired, But as we go to Him in prayer, what prayer does is, as we pray the Lord's Prayer, it actually begins to realign us. It reminds us of our mission in life. It reminds us of our higher calling. It realigns our hearts. It tunes us to God's heart. You know, on a more practical note, um, you know, when I ask Christians, Hey, what's the biggest difficulty in, in praying? Um, you know, I often hear Christians say, You know, praying is difficult because I'm never really in the mood to pray. I'm, I'm never right with God that, you know, I just can't just pray. Right? And, you know, people say one of the reasons why praying is so difficult uh, is because our minds and our hearts aren't really aligned to Him. I, I don't know if you've ever feel that, but... It seems to be a very uh, common phenomenon. And so what people say is, you know what? Before I pray, instead of just jumping into prayer because I'm not ready, I'm going to first read my Bible. So you take out the Bible and you read a few chapters, trying to really get your heart and your mind ready. Or you take out a guitar and you start to sing a praise song. Why? Because you're trying to realign your mind. You're trying to tune your heart to God before you go to him in prayer well Jesus knows that and when he teaches us to pray in this way as he's teaching us to seek God's kingdom and his will Jesus says, listen you don't have to tune your heart before you pray it's actually prayer prayer is what tunes your heart prayer is what aligns you to God You know, so much, so often, you know, there's this barrier to actually pray because we feel like we're not ready. Jesus knows this. And this is why he teaches us the Lord's Prayer. Because it's through prayer we're reminded of what we are called to do. It's through prayer that our hearts become aligned. That we start to see things through his lens. See, there isn't a prerequisite Pray. It's actually through prayer. After a busy day of work, after a busy day taking care of errands, after a busy day of trying to build your kingdom, you begin to pray immediately. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus is teaching us. He's teaching us how we, as kingdom people, can continue to be focused on his kingdom coming. So, prayer as participation, Um, prayer as participation, prayer as realignment, and finally the last point, prayer as submission. And just very shortly, um, I think the most fearful thing in all of scripture that we can ever say to God is found in the Lord's Prayer. You know, because it's so familiar, I know we don't give too much thought to it. But when Jesus teaches us to pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, this is, this is a tremendous saying. I, I, I don't think we understand the full gravity of what we are praying. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, when we pray this, do you know what we're actually saying? Um, when we pray this we're actually saying um, God you know how your will is perfectly carried out in heaven you know how your will is just perfect it's perfectly done through the angels you're saying that I want that here I want that on earth I want that in my life When you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're basically handing the keys of your life to God. You're saying, I want your will to be done in my life, not just to a certain degree, not just in moderation, not just on the weekends, but just as it is done in heaven. That perfect will being executed by the angels in full obedience, in full joyful obedience. I want that in my life. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the Lord's Prayer. Friends, if you ever thought that prayer was the act of changing God's mind, you're wrong. If you ever thought that prayer is about persuading God, to do what I want you're mistaken rather what is prayer prayer isn't persuasion But prayer is submission prayer is actually the act of bending your will towards God's will remember Jesus's prayer on that final night when he was captured Jesus goes to God in prayer, his Father, and he expresses everything. He tells him how he's feeling. He tells him what he wants. But do you remember how Jesus ends that prayer? Not my will, but your will be done. Jesus teaches us that prayer is the act of submission. You know, I think for Christians who understand this, um, people who really understand this, they don't like to pray. People who really understand this, they hate prayer. Because they know that once you begin to pray, God is going to start to bend your will. God is going to change your heart. So the easiest thing for us to do is just avoid Him, not pray. Because we know that once we start to pray, Oh, God is going to bend our hearts, our will towards His. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, for some of you who actually do pray, you know, I I fear that you may be praying because you think you can change God's heart. You think that you're bending God's will towards yours. Or even maybe, maybe even more sinister, you're praying because you think you can change other people's hearts. Now, see, that's not what Jesus is teaching here. The master on prayer, Jesus is teaching us that prayer is submission. You are asking God when you go to him in prayer saying, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You're telling God, God, take this stubborn heart. Take this obstinate mind and bend it towards your will. As C.S. Lewis once wrote in his stage play, Shadowlands, he says this, i pray because i can't help myself i pray because i'm helpless i pray because the need flows out of me all the time waking and sleeping prayer doesn't change god it changes me jesus is teaching us that if we want to live a life of joyful obedience if we're wrestling with something and we can't lay it down, if we're struggling and wrestling and fighting with God, one of the ways to be in submission before Him is prayer. Now, just to conclude, you know, we can walk away from today's message either uh, discouraged or encouraged. You can walk away thinking, oh my goodness. Prayer is not what I thought it was. You can walk away thinking, oh my goodness, prayer isn't persuasion. Prayer isn't just asking God and getting what I need. Prayer is not what I thought. You can be discouraged in that way. Or you can walk away thinking, prayer is much more than I thought. You can walk away super encouraged thinking, wow, prayer is more than I thought. You see, through prayer, we find that Christian prayer, through Christian prayer, we find that what God desires isn't just a business relationship with me. He's not just like, hey, listen, I'll do something for you. You ask me and we'll just, you know, keep going back and forth. No, through prayer, we realize that God calls us into partnership with him through his son. You see, as, as Jesus is teaching us to pray, we realize that, that God's salvation for us isn't just about forgiveness, but it's about adoption. God just doesn't give us the gift of eternal life, but He gives us the gift of an inheritance. God just doesn't give us a new identity in Jesus, but he gives us a new mission. He doesn't just give us new clothes, but he gives us a new kingdom. He doesn't just give us a new savior, but he gives us a brother and a father. You see, prayer is a reminder of the full benefits of the gospel that we have in Jesus. That we're not just saved from death to life, but we're saved into an inheritance that can never fade. And so as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're reminded that in the gospel, we not only have a new identity, but we have a new mission, a new reason for life. That he just doesn't give us new clothes, but he gives us a new kingdom. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Can you pray this this morning? Would you join me at this time? With uh, just a a few minutes uh, remaining, would you uh, take this time to uh, just pray this simple prayer, this prayer of participation, this prayer of realignment, this prayer of submission your kingdom come your will be done in my life just as it is done perfectly in heaven would you just spend the next few minutes just praying this let's pray